Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now, today, Hooker. Ready. Here we go. We're off and rolling with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Coming up, of course, some March Madness talk as we'll discuss our prediction for the Final Four. Why, for some reason, Caleb Calhoun hates March Madness. I got to work on that as I'm in the middle of maybe planning a trip to a casino nearby. So, obviously, I'm not on the same page as Caleb, but we'll get his explanation. Also, the Vols underrated heading into spring practice, which starts on Monday, four downs. We'll talk about some underrated positions, underrated players, and more. Who goes further in the NCAA tournament? Is it the Vols or Lady Vols? And also some Recruiting notes that we will get to that were on the site yesterday, offthehooksports.com. I'll remind you that we are live on YouTube each and every weekday at 10 a.m. We have multiple ways for you to listen on every podcast app that you can possibly think of. Every service is out there, so click the notifications on whether or not we're talking about YouTube, or we're talking about uh, maybe your own podcast notifications on Spotify and Apple. Also, the new app that you can download at any time. Just go to our Twitter feed, and it is pasted right up there, or our Facebook feed. And you'll love the app because you'll be able to access all kinds of original content on the app. So uh, here we go. It's always a quick turnaround from the Sunday Selection Show to really getting a feel for a bracket that can be difficult to do when you do a morning show as we do. But now that we are a little bit deeper, let's go ahead and get into final four predictions. Cinderella teams before we discuss why Caleb hates March Madness. And I'm interested to hear what in the world he could not like about March Madness. But let's start with final four predictions. Cinderella teams. Good morning, Caleb. How are you? Pretty good. How you doing, Dave? Good. Are you the person that picks your bracket final four and then you kind of go, you reverse engineer it into where you fill out your bracket so those four teams are there? Or do you just go game by game and see who ends up? I just go game by game and see who ends up. That's how I do it. <laughs> Typically do as well. There might be a team that I've got a really strong feeling for that I'll just go ahead and pencil them in the final four and then reverse engineer it. But This is certainly not that year. I would say there are 16 to 18, maybe even 20 teams that could realistically win the NCAA tournament this year. Too high, too low. Thoughts? Honestly, you might be too low. Uh, As I was doing my bracket the other day, and we'll talk about this in a minute, my secret sauce this year is which team is playing closest? Which team is closest to where they're playing? I feel like home court advantage has had such a huge impact in college basketball this year that more than any other year I've ever seen, honestly. And there's so much parity. I think the team I think is going to have more fans there is usually going to be the one that wins. Well, it certainly worked for Kentucky over the years at the SEC basketball tournament. I don't know what other motivation there is to win that, but they have been able 
to do so. Tennessee will travel to Orlando. What do you think this travel contingent will look like? Because Tennessee in football is back to where they were, and that is taking tens of thousands of fans to bowl sites, away games. I think of LSU last year. I think of the Orange Bowl. Pretty much anybody that you can any game that you can point to in this past year or so under Josh Heupel, Tennessee has been there. Oh, I've, I've got to be sure and mention uh, Pitt. I mean, they dominated Pitt. I think there were more Tennessee fans than Pitt fans. What do you think the fans will be like heading to Orlando? And that's a very doable drive from Knoxville, about nine or ten hours. Um, theoretically it's, it's warmer, but who knows with, uh, Florida weather and and what it could be doing this time of year. Um, I I would love for it it, for Tennessee to be in a Nashville, Atlanta, Greensboro, someplace within three or four hours, but you lose that, I believe, as you, as you drop down in the selection committee's mind. So they're Orlando. That's not bad. What do you think will be the turnout there in Orlando? I think it'll be pretty good relative to the rest of the teams. I mean, the only team I could see that would compete with them in terms of turnout would be Duke because they're a blue blood. But as I talked about yesterday, I don't think there are that many Duke fans that are, I don't think there are that many like loyal Duke fans that travel for Duke. Let me just say that. Um, It's a smaller school. It's, um, you know, half the fans that went to the school only care about basketball when they went there. They got a, Group, I'm sorry, their fans are annoying. They just want to be part of something special. They don't really care about the team outside of just being a part of a social scene and cheering on something at Cameron Endor. I think that Tennessee actually has the home court advantage slightly out of this weekend. But because we're going to talk about this later, I don't think it's the type of home court advantage that I'm talking about in other different NCAA tournament locations, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't know that there's a a huge monstrous home court advantage really for any program out there other than maybe Kentucky, and kudos to them. I mean, that's a public school with a large number of students, and they really get into basketball. So like Duke, they really get into basketball, but like you mentioned, it's a smaller school. I don't know that any team has a year in and year out home court march advantage like Kentucky, do they? I don't think so. And also, it kind of hurts Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's the one team that you really – have you noticed this year? You can't trust them when they're at home or on the road. You know, I mean, they're the one team that home court advantage hasn't affected them in a positive or negative way. I mean, they lost to Vanderbilt at home earlier just a few weeks ago. True. Uh, all right, so your final four picks, and uh, let's go ahead and, and get it out there. Let's start now with how far you see now that we actually have a bracket, and we have both said – that we don't see Tennessee getting beyond the Sweet 16. So let's go ahead and get the prediction in for Tennessee uh, now on a Tuesday. So uh, before they get rolling on later this week. So Tennessee opens, as we know, with Louisiana, a team that if they get hot shooting, that could be a real problem. I'll go ahead and tell you that I have Tennessee advancing past uh, Louisiana. And I'm going to make the call right now. I think that uh, Tennessee will beat Duke. I think it'll be a frustrating game for the Blue Devils playing a team that's so intent on uh, playing good defense. I think you can catch people by surprise on occasion. I don't think it's the method for continual success. You and I have discussed that. But 
Yeah, I, I think Tennessee in uh, in the second round will be able to beat Duke. Then theoretically, they would face, let's say, a Purdue if it goes chalk. I don't see them beating Purdue. While I don't think there's a huge difference between the top teams in the nation, Houston, Purdue, uh, Alabama, uh, I don't see a monstrous difference between those teams that are right up at the top. But I do think they're significant enough where – Purdue would be a, a pretty big upset at this point. So I'm going to go with, and, and Kansas, I should have mentioned. So I'm going to say Tennessee makes a Sweet 16, has a win over Duke. And at the end of the day, because it's a win over Duke, Tennessee fans will be happy with the 2022-2023 season because you beat Duke. My contention is, however, that you should expect more than just a sweet 16 run and beating a team that does not have Mike Krzyzewski anymore. That is certainly a blue blood, but uh, Tennessee should be competing with those teams and has with Kansas earlier in the year, year in and year out. So it, I think it'll be a victory in a lot of Tennessee fans' minds because a lot of Tennessee fans are more football fans than basketball fans. The reality, reality is this team from the get, day one, should have been better than Duke. So it, I think it'll be a win, but I think it will be one that will be overly celebrated, if that makes sense. I can see that. I don't think it'll be that much of a dilemma for Tennessee because I don't think they're beating Duke. I got them beating Louisiana in the first round. Um, I think Oral Roberts is a scary matchup for Duke. And watch out for that. And if Oral Roberts pulls off the upset, which they could, I think Tennessee would beat Oral Roberts. I don't think they're beating Duke, though. I think Duke right now is just a little bit hot. Look, I said yesterday Tennessee couldn't ask for a better draw. I, I don't think they're beating Duke, but that's because I don't think they beat any of the five seeds guys in, in the bracket. I just don't. I don't think Tennessee is – I don't think this team is capable of winning two tournament games in a span of two days. I don't. I've seen enough of this team over, over this year to know that they're way too defense-centric, and um, I think that – I think Tennessee loses to Duke in the second round. And so, yeah, I think they'll be going home in the first weekend, as is typical for a Rick Barnes team. Yes, but isn't it easier to show up as a good defensive team that knows the fundamentals of playing defense and have success in the NCAA tournament as opposed to showing up and maybe having uh, some sort of gimmick offense or gimmick defense? We talked about UNLV and the Amoeba defense way back. We talked about uh, Gonzaga, and they have the, a lot of the, the back cuts and those sorts of things. Isn't it easier that Tennessee knows exactly what they're going to do on a Sunday night? And I don't think they have to adjust a lot from team to team. So I, I actually believe in this particular instance, although I agree with you from the, the big picture of things, I think in this particular instance, being a defensive team with a two-day turnaround has a certain advantage for this one particular matchup. Not with the way Tennessee does it, because it's not like it's not it's not like they're scheming defensively, if that makes sense. What they're doing is it's a it's more similar to what Jamie Dixon used to do. Honestly, what Matt Painter does at, at, at Purdue, it's a grind defensively. It is a it is it is a exert your energy on defense, even if it sacrifices your offense. I think well, that, that would be my point. You're not doing something way different for the opponent. But the problem with that is by the second night of a game like uh, of a two night stand, 
your offense is going to be so bad. So, I mean, I'm telling you guys right now, Tennessee makes it to the round of 32. Their offense will be historically bad in that game. So they'll just have to hope that their defense forces Duke to be historically bad too. Because they're, that's the problem. So much energy is expended on defense. You, your offense comes and goes. Well, on the second night of a tournament in two days, your offense is going to go. It's just not going to be there at all. Well, and if you look at Duke, this could be a game in which we want to be sure that you hit that uh, like button, smash the like button right now, and I want to go to the message board to see what you have to say. But Duke's a very defensive-oriented team too, so 60 points could win that game the second round if it turns out to be Tennessee and Duke. They're also probably going to catch Duke in a little bit of a ruffled feather sort of attitude because Duke didn't think they should be a five seed. They thought they should be higher. That's a big deal to them. So don't be surprised if they come out uber motivated. So go ahead and click the like button. We'll get to some of your uh, thoughts. Good morning, Travis. Potential second round game of the tournament, Houston-Auburn in Birmingham feels screwy. Yep, I agree with that. I'm already on. I'm already on Auburn pulling the upset there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is a Final Four team lose in the semifinal. Wow, there we go. Flatlines throwing heat. Travis says defense wins championships, kind of, sort of. No, they don't. Wrong. I don't know if that's the case. Well, in in all of sports, I will say that, yes, it wins championships. But in college basketball, I don't know that that's uh, exactly appropriate. Uh, We'll see. Um, Duke is going to try to win it with with defense, too. So we'll we'll see. But, again, 62 could win that game if uh, Tennessee and – Duke matchup. This seems like the second or third time in my life, Caleb, that a Tennessee Duke matchup is out there. And if it doesn't happen, I think Tennessee fans are going to be very disappointed at the very least. Don't you want to play Duke and be on that stage in March on a Saturday? I think that's something that would be huge for Tennessee basketball just to be in that position. But uh, at this point, it seems like they've they've come close to matching up with Duke a couple of times, and they haven't been able to uh, get to the, the the next stage and actually play the Blue Devils. So let's go ahead and go. Your final four picks, Cinderella picks. Um, here we go. Before we get to Caleb's issue with March Madness, go ahead and hit that like button, thumbs up. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for the station. Brings more people in. And give me your final four teams on the message board. Also, give me your Cinderella's. So here we go. What are your final four teams in this bracket now that you've had a little bit of time to consume it? So I've got one number one seed going, and it's the number one seed I have the least faith in, ironically, which is Tennessee's bracket, Purdue. I got Purdue going to the final four. I think it's by default. I think it's by default. I just think they got a great draw that they should be very happy about. They're not really going to play in any any semi-road games. And so I think they'll get to the Final Four. From the uh, Midwest region, because I think Auburn's upsetting Houston by playing in Birmingham, opens the division, opens it wide open. I think Indiana's going to come out of there, believe it or not. I think Indiana plays the first couple of weekends in Albany, and they're better than every team, so it's not like it's home court, but it's not like they're on the road. They play the next weekend in Missouri. 
Dave, you know this. Indiana's a basketball blue blood almost, and Missouri ain't that far away. And they're, they're going to show up in Missouri. And so I got Indiana being the lowest seed in the Final Four. They're a four seed. So I got Arizona. Um, so I've got Arizona. I'm sorry, I'll get to Arizona. But so I've got Purdue and Indiana on opposite sides. Indiana's going to face UCLA. UCLA plays the first two week two games in Sacramento. Not a hard drive for UCLA fans. And then they play the next two in Nevada. I think UCLA would have more fans in Vegas than Gonzaga, which I think they're going to meet in the um, uh, Sweet 16. And I think they would have more fans in Kansas. Dave, you tell me. I don't know. Maybe Kansas would have more fans in UCLA. And in Vegas? Wow. Um, you can get across Death Valley, and you can this time of year. That's not a terrible drive. Uh, so... If I were a UCLA fan, I would be in Vegas. Let's put it that way. And I vowed to never go to Vegas again. But I would I would take that trip if my team were there. Let's put it that way. Okay, so I'm going to stick with it then. So I got Indiana and UCLA on one side and Purdue on the other. And then coming out of the south, I don't think Alabama's getting out of there. I've got Arizona going to the Final Four. And here's why I don't think Alabama's getting out of there. I think my Cinderella team is College of Charleston the 12th seed in that region. I've got them going to the Elite Eight. Yes, beating Alabama in the Sweet 16 because of something you talked about, which is the Brandon Miller thing can get them a couple wins, but at some point it's going to crash. College of Charleston is the best low seed in this tournament. I'm a huge fan of their style of play. So that's going to get Arizona to the Final Four. Arizona beats Purdue. UCLA beats Indiana. All Pac-12 National Championship game. And Arizona wins. All Pac-12 national championship game. Wow, for for a conference that's been torn about a torn apart by football expansion, and really, if you look at a basketball, it's just kind of an afterthought with what they've been doing in football. Think about the um, matchups that will be taken away, the rivalries when you have UCLA and USC that are in the. Big Ten. Think about, you know, you lose some of those uh, cows, you lose uh, some of those other games on the West Coast that you're not going to have. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, a lot of those. And really, it doesn't matter because football is what drives the train financially. So there you go. Well, I'll tell you who I'm definitely rooting against is Alabama. I, I do think that you're right. I think at some point, that, hey, I'm going to ask you about this gun situation, which they have to show up. For those that don't know, they have to show up for the press conferences. It's not like you can just duck them like you can when you're in Tuscaloosa. So I'll go Arizona to come out of the south instead of Alabama. Uh, but that's part of my heart as much as anything. As far as out of the west, I do have Kansas uh, coming out of there. I'm, I'm going a little chalkier than I I usually like to. Uh, Houston wouldn't be chalk. I don't have them coming out of the Midwest, but I'm actually going to take Texas uh, out of the Midwest. And then in Tennessee's bracket, the East, and it's, I'm, I'm going real chalky. It's almost Purdue by fault and, um, or by default. And, and really you look at that and tell me a team that, you really like to win the East. Um, you could say Duke, they had a flourish at the end of the year. Tennessee, on the other hand, stumbled towards the end. Marquette, maybe. 
I don't. I just don't see another team as long as Purdue plays its best game. And I don't think there's elite teams this year, but if Purdue plays its best game in particular in that region, I think there they go. So Elias says Marquette, Arizona, Kansas, Houston. So we're pretty close. I got Purdue there, Elias. Travis says Tennessee, Indiana, Kansas State, and Alabama. A lot of fun. Love picking the final four teams. And you said you had Cinderella teams. As I remind everyone to hit that thumbs up button, the like button, Gets us more people on board, and you haven't subscribed yet. You're crazy because we got Cooper Mays coming up this afternoon. So, who do you, do you have a Cinderella team in particular that sticks out that you haven't mentioned at this point? Um, no, I'm sticking with the one I named earlier, College of Charleston. I, they're a 12 seed. I think they're going. I think the 12 seed College of Charleston is going to the Elite Eight. Pretty strong. They're going to be the ones to knock off Alabama in the Sweet 16. They're going to have to go find a nun, I guess, at some point, because <laughs> it seems like every time we've got a, uh, a Cinderella, we've got a nun involved. She wrote a book, by the way. Is it Sister Mary? Is that her name? What's her name? Sister, Sister Jean. Sister Jean. She didn't write that book. Someone else wrote it. Okay. Well, I didn't think so. She's 90-some <laughs> years old. I didn't think she really wrote the book. Um, first segment of the program brought to you by Bassy Lawn and Garden. Man Alive is worth the drive. Bassy Lawn and Garden is fantastic, and it is their official kickoff the season sale. And it's going to be this weekend. Factory reps on hand. It's going to be phenomenal. You will love it. And they've got the industrial mowers. They've got the commercial mowers. Toro count on it. They are fantastic. Bassy Lawn and Garden, man alive, it's worth the drive. John said with this team, who knows what we do. If we are shooting more threes, then we may be in trouble. We just try to force too many. Great looks, but the rim shrinks. It often does in the tournament. I don't think Tennessee's going to start chucking threes, though. I don't know really what they're going to do when they drop it down to the post and have to kick it back out. And if people have scouted Tennessee, that's the one thing you've got to remember. It is very incumbent upon assistant coaches to do their job this week, okay? So you will have one assistant coach that will scout the opening opponent, and you'll have another coach that will scout one of the two possible opponents in the second round. And the third coach will scout one of the other possible opponents. So you scout, you're scouting three teams right now. It's typically the way most basketball teams that I've been around handle it. So – you have to be ready for all three of those teams. Now, does Rick Barnes have a staff from one to four that can get that done? I don't know. We're, we're, we're going to find out. His tournament success would make you wonder if he has those type of staffs that can do the quick turnarounds and the quick scouts. So uh, we shall see. So right now, we want to get to Caleb Calhoun raining on everyone's parade. He hates the NCAA basketball tournament. To my knowledge, he is not on crack, but there is absolutely no drug test involved in working for off-the-hook sports, so I can't be 100% sure. Uh, The NCAA takes care of our our NIL guys, and I trust the rest of them. So here we go. Uh, Caleb Calhoun hates the NCAA tournament. What the H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. What the H today brought to you by Andy Mason. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Over 40 years of experience right there in the Knoxville area when it comes to 
Realty and the Realtor business. There is nobody like Andy Mason. Go to andymasonrealestate.com. Saves thousands or tens of thousands of dollars at andymasonrealestate.com. It's phenomenal. Why do you hate the NCAA basketball tournament? Caleb, that is just like you say you hate puppies. You hate uh, love. You hate uh, just all kinds of things across the board that make no sense. Uh, the scratch and sniff stickers, which everybody loved those back in the day. Why do you hate the NCAA basketball tournament? Hit the thumbs up button, people. So we appreciate it. Because it's what you just accused me of being on. It's crack. It's exciting, but unhealthy. <laughs> okay. So, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, look at maybe if you could just do crack one night and you didn't have access to it moving forward. If you just had access to crack and I've, I've never done crack, I don't know. But if you had access to crack and it really is as good as everybody says from the get, everybody says it's awesome in the beginning and then you never match that high. So if you could only do crack in March for two weekends and then it's not accessible to you, well, is that so bad? <laughs> I am not encouraging that. What I am saying is the rush of opioids or um, I don't know if those are opioids, but the rush of. Um, I don't think cracks opioids. Yeah, the, I think that's a straight street drugs. The rush of uppers, put it that way, crack, cocaine, regular cocaine, uh, whatever. The rush of uppers. Espresso. Lots of espresso. It gives you a short-term pleasure and you forget about the long-term effects. March Madness, the whole organizational structure of college basketball is set up to make the regular season completely irrelevant, to make us not care about the regular season at all, just so they can give you three weeks of excitement. On top of that, they want to give you three weeks of excitement. First of all, the Cinderella stories – Almost once every five years, maybe you get one of those, but almost always, Dave, how often is it that a Cinderella team wins it all? It's almost always one of the top 10, 15 teams winning it all. Well, we don't expect a Cinderella to win it all. We expect them to get to a final four. Let me hear from those in the message board. Do you think March Madness is a a little bit overrated? I I think uh, Caleb is, is, is on the crack or something else. Um, my crack and boost rant is, yeah, I've got so many worse things to say. Just it's part, it's partially about the sport of college basketball in general. I do not think here's the deal, Caleb. I don't think that they're taking the regular season and just chucking it into the ocean for the sake of the tournament. I think it has happened and they're like, what are we going to do about this? And there's not really a way to fix it at this point. I did hear some ideas of taking some of those, uh, interconference matchups that they have in Atlantis and all those sorts of things in November and maybe moving it to the last week in January um, after football, you're not competing with football or maybe even after the Super Bowl. I think that would be a really good idea. I think a lot of us aren't aware when Tennessee plays Kansas and it's in the middle of November when you're thinking about Tennessee making the college football playoff. I think a lot of that goes on so you could showcase some of those games highly rated games i think there's different things you could do you've come up with some ideas that i thought were really good if you win the regular season you automatically get a berth then if you win the conference tournament you automatically get a berth so there's incentive to win the regular season i would also go so far i was thinking about this the other day if you win the regular season 
you are entitled to a higher seed than if a team sneaks in by winning the tournament in and of itself. Probably would be anyway. So I, I think there's a couple of different adjustments you could make, but I don't think the NCAA ever said to themselves, let's chuck the regular season just for the tournament. I don't think they did that by design. I think it happened. Well, it's happened now. And so it's ruined the regular season. On top of that, I don't, I think the NCAA, and I have, I can never prove this, but I've watched enough selection shows to think that they purposely set up seeds where there are matchup disadvantages for the higher seed sometimes, or they make a lesser team a higher seed to sell the idea that there was an upset. I just brought up College of Charleston as my Cinderella. You wonder why, why they're my Cinderella, Dave? Because they play San Diego State in the first round. San Diego State has no business being a five seed. None whatsoever. And so they've completely set this up for San Diego State to go far. On top of that, my big thing is that college basketball as a sport, the rules make it somewhat of a joke of a sport. I'm sorry. I always laugh when people say they think college basketball is better than the NBA. Yeah, if you think mediocrity is better. College basketball rewards mediocrity in every way. They have the- it's, it's not better than the NBA, but since you mentioned the NBA, here's the other thing to remember. The NBA is at an all-time popularity high. It has definitely surpassed baseball. It is uh, surpassed basically everything else except for the NFL and college football. Wouldn't you agree? Those, yes. I mean, it, it's 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 second. If you listen to national shows and they're strictly going to talk about what national fans and listeners want to talk about, the NBA is usually right after the NFL. I mean, it, sometimes it's before college football, which drives me crazy. Um, but I think the NBA is the other factor that's at, at, at an all-time high. I will say this, and I've been thinking a lot about this. We will. This will not even be in a, a discussion in three years. Will not even be a discussion. Because what you're going to see, and if you're out there listening, I want you to remember that you heard this here. And I'm never going to forget it because it was the day after my birthday when I turned 29 yesterday. And thank you for all the birthday wishes. You're going to see the returns of the UNLVs and the Dukes of Leitners and Bobby Hurley. And there is one reason why, and it's three letters, and it's called NIL. You've already seen this from two Gonzaga cats that decided to return because of the NIL money they can make. And when you go to the NBA, if you're not drafted in the first round, you have no guaranteed contract. You might not even make it three months. If you're not in the top 20, you still have a guaranteed contract, but the teams don't think very highly of you. You start getting into the second round, the chances of you making a team and sticking around in the NBA are 50-50. You might as well start thinking about going on to Europe. This is why they created the G League, is to get these guys a little bit more playing time together. Well, now NIL money is going to keep them around. So that would be my argument to that. The, the money that's thrown around, even at the top end of the NBA draft, is not massive. To the middle of the NBA first round, it's not massive. John Calipari is officially a brontosaurus. Okay, He is not going to be able to go get these one-and-dones, make them rich, and everything's great. You're going to see kids stay around a lot longer 
than they used to. I believe that college basketball is on the verge because of NIL of a renaissance in the next three, four, five years. You agree or disagree? I could see that. I could agree with that. Um, look, a lot of my attacks on March Madness themselves are a brontosaurus because I'm attacking the format when college basketball had a 35-second shot clock, when the three-point line was so far up that it was like you and I could maybe have shot 40% from three on a night. Remember when it was really short for three-point line? Yes. Back? <laughs> and, and they moved it slightly back. They've lessened the shot clock to 30. So a lot of the problems I'm criticizing still are, are not – oh, and the worst, the worst rule they had when they didn't have the circle under the basket. So if you had a big man, he could just camp out like this, and there was no defense of three seconds, so he wouldn't have to leave the paint, and it just ruined the sport in so many ways. Some of those things have changed. 30-second shot clock is still too long. should be 24 like the NBA. Three-point line is still too short. In today's game – with the way so many kids, like you talked about, at the local Y are shooting threes, it should be a little bit further back. It's bizarre. I know you don't have kids at that age, but if you go down and watch, it's not like you and I would go out and shoot basketball. I know we've got an age difference going on, but when you and I shot basketball, we would every once in a while shoot the mid-range, try a little post move. It ain't that anymore. No. I don't care if you're 6'2 or 6'10. You are facing the basket at the three-point line chucking. That is exactly what it is. Exactly. And so it it opens the door way too much for a hot shooting team. Um, and, and then the biggest thing is the rules that technical fouls are two shots in the ball. I'm sorry. A technical foul should be one shot. If, if, that is the equivalent of if you had a personal foul penalty be rather than just a 15-yard penalty. Like you get to kick a field goal and then keep the drive going. Could you imagine if that was a penalty, if that's how they did the penalty in football, personal foul? Like you get to kick a field goal for three points and then you get to keep the ball and you get 15 yards. Like it's that ridiculous. And then the one and ones, I think that's stupid. You are, I think if you are in a point where you have to foul to get the ball back, the other team should get two free throws every time. Yeah, but I'm going to let that be cheesy. Good drama. Uh, you're right. It's but fake drama. You're right. But still, so it's uh, Travis, more random about the sport itself is terrible. Travis says 100% there is an agenda. It's a money-making machine, Caleb. No proof needed. Also follow us on Twitter at the Dave Hooker or at OTH Sports Media. Uh, reply from Neil says this team isn't going to the Sweet 16. We don't see uh, – well, Caleb doesn't seem to think so. I do. Harry talks today on uh, Twitter saying – Grateful uh, how Rick Barnes has made a Tennessee basketball program powerhouse that we can be proud of. Woo. Powerhouse too strong of a word for me, A. And B, uh, a lot of people said the same thing about Butch Jones in his final days. Said, well, who are you going to get that's better? He's winning nine games and such. And Butch Jones thought that too and brought that up when Jeremy Pruitt struggled to a reporter I know that was talking to him at the time. No, this is what I have been saying for since they ran Butch Jones off. Since um, you get a guy like Jeremy Pruitt and you get a little bit scared to replace him because who are you going to get? Have faith. You have incredible facilities. You have just every, you have a fan base that loves football and really, really, really likes basketball. 
that supports the women's basketball team, that will support all sports, will support baseball. You are the ones that people should be jealous of. You shouldn't be concerned about not getting a better coach. So whatever sport we're talking about, no, you you expect to have more. Don't just be okay with, well, this is a respectable program with a respectable coach that everybody seems to like. No. Expect more. And it may be more with Rick Barnes. I'm not riding off Rick Barnes. It may be more this this month. Tennessee could win a national championship. Then we've got a different discussion. But to say, I hate the phrase more than any other phrase in sports, well, who are you going to get? I hate that phrase. If you're a top athletic program in the country, you shouldn't ever ask yourself that question. You should have a list of people that you want to get. If Rick Barnes or Josh Heupel retire early or whatever the case may be, but it shouldn't be difficult. It shouldn't look difficult as it did for a decade. Caleb Tennessee is a peach job in a lot of different sports. No question about it. No, I'm with you on that. I, I, I am with you on that. I think Tennessee is a very, very attractive job. Um, in, a, in, in plenty of sports. I think in some ways it's a more attractive job in basketball because you can, the expectations aren't quite what football are, but you've got the resources to win like that. So, I mean. Yeah, you can break curfew every once in a while. Yeah. Jerry well, Green broke a lot of curfew, but won a lot of games. Yes. Without doing, because Kevin O'Neill gave him a, a great recruiting class and he just rolled the ball out and went to sleep. Right. Pretty much, it's pretty accurate right there. Uh, Zool Beer Company, XULBeer.com is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. Hit that like button. Do it for me now. Please subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Zool Beer has parking downtown. You don't hear about that a lot. And Zool Beer also has worldwide award-winning craft beer. Mr. Jones said balls have beaten two of the number one seeds this year. That's true. Uh, balls need a competent coach who instills confidence in his players like Hopple does. I do not want to get to the point where we're calling for Rick Barnes' job because I think that is way premature. Would you agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah. But you brought up Butch Jones. Who's the number one seed in life, guys? <laughs> it is actually Butch Jones. <laughs> he has nailed the overall number one seed in the Tournament of Champions or the Life Tournament of Champions. Uh, hang tight. Two minutes. Most underrated position group heading into spring camp. We're going to talk some football next. Two minutes off the hook sports. Family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us, Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher, and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. And finalists for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of offthehooksports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on offthehooksports.com. You heard the mention of cataract surgery right there in that last commercial break. Well, let me tell you about Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I I now have perfect near vision and far vision thanks to the LASIK procedure I underwent, and it is fantastic. No glasses, no contacts. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, local vision done absolutely perfectly. And when I say local, I mean it. There are some vision centers that are flying people in from Florida. You want to know your doctor. My doctor checked on me the Sunday after a Friday surgery, a Sunday evening. I was like, who's calling me on a Sunday evening? It was him. Just say, hey, how's it going? That's Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. It is time for four downs as we talk a little bit of football Right now, Four Downs brought to you by Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Local vision done exceptionally perfect is the way I would put it. Let's get to Four Downs as we talk a little bit of football. We are just a few days away from spring camp opening for the Vols. Four Downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. I want to get to this story. The Vols 
reportedly underrated heading into spring practice, according to 247 Sports. I'll let Caleb Calhoun lay that out for us. But first four downs. First down, the most underrated position heading into spring camp is? I think it's running back. People are forgetting that Tennessee's got a lot of talent at that position. I'd blame you, Caleb. Um, I was Did I take yours? Yeah. And I even like the Khalifa Keith kid coming in as a power back. That was going to be my further um, backing of that claim. Okay, I'll let you have running back. Fine. <laughs> um, running back's going to be really good. Dylan Sampson, I think, is on the verge of being special. Uh, Jabari Small is, is really good in a different sort of way. They reminded me of what Tennessee would cluster together. Uh, fantastic running backs. Not of this ilk. Okay, but like Jamal Lewis, Travis Henry, Travis Stevens, going back even a little bit further, the uh, Aaron Haydens of of the world, the um, oh, Tony yeah. Thompson, who's in that, who else? Yeah, I was thinking Charlie Garner with Aaron Hayden. But. Yeah, Charlie Garner, and then Tony Thompson's just like, oh, well, you know, I'm good, and I can step in and play. John says linebacker. Well, I'm going to go quarterbacks because I think if Tennessee was rolling into spring camp but didn't have a Joe Milton and you're – depending on Josh Heupel to get Nico ready, I think that you're just fine. I really believe that. Uh, I, I think that highly of him and what I've heard from him on camp. People say that sometimes when I mention Nico, that I am shorting Joe Milton. That's not the case. That's not the case. I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. So, I think Tennessee would be just fine if they're rolling into the 2023 season and they're talking about Nico being their starter. So everybody would have said running back. I'm going to start going first so Caleb can't steal mine. Uh, who replaces Princeton Fant? Well, I think that's a group of people. And who knows? Jacob Warren might line up at the fullback position. I don't know, but I kind of doubt it. But I think Princeton Fant was a very versatile player. So I mentioned Keith. I think he'll be the power back from the fullback role at short yardage eventually. And then I think Jacob Warren, just by rotation, they have one in and one out, didn't catch as many balls as he can. So I think they'll be just fine there, Mr. Jones. And then the McAllen Castles kid, um, he, he comes in. I think he's very athletic and should be good. I hear good things about him. So second down, most underrated player is not Nico. All right, so most underrated player. I'll let you go first this time, just so I don't always accidentally take your... Well, thank you. Um, Most underrated player, I'll go Ramel Keaton. We all want to talk about Brew McCoy. We want to talk about who transfers in. We want to talk about Squirrel White, because he's got a great name. But a guy that you can hang your hat on may not be a superstar ever in his life, but is Ramel Keaton at wide receiver. I think he's underrated. His name's not mentioned enough. Boom, beat that. I like Ramel Keaton. I'm going underrated here because I think this is a year he explodes onto the scene. I mean, Jalen Hyatt level explodes at his position. Gerald Mincy, left tackle. I think oh, wow. we, we forget this because Darnell Wright did such a good job on him and, and handled him most of the time. But there were sometimes Will Anderson lined up on the other side. And Gerald Mincy did his job on that point too. Now he was splitting time with J.J. Crawford. I don't think he's going to be splitting any time this year. I think he's got that left tackle spot locked up. Pretty special athlete, so that's a possibility. I like where you're going. I think it's scary that neither one of us picked a defensive player, but uh, there we go. Most underrated storyline, third down, most underrated storyline. 
the most underrated storyline to me is who's replacing Trey Flowers at free safety. Because mm. that needs to be talked about more because that is a big, big issue. I've talked told I've, I said a while, I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like Trey Flowers sacrificed his draft stock to cover for so many deficiencies last year in the secondary. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, I think the emergence of a another tailback is the most underrated storyline right now we've already touched base on it but i think dylan sampson is going to step up and be a special type of player i i I hate it when people do this but i am going to use a a cowboys reference a dallas cowboys reference because that's the team i I follow really closely so ezekiel elliott was supposed to be the superstar but who outdid him the entire season caleb oh my gosh i just drew a blank but i know who you're talking about i know exactly who you're talking about what's his name again you're just going to have to refresh it for me. Oh, you got it. Uh, you got it. He was he was supposed to just be the guy who uh, was right around Elliot, and instead he outperformed Elliot. Is it Tony Pollard? Tony Pollard. That's right. That's Tony right. Pollard. Sorry. I think that – I think Dylan Sampson will be the Tony Pollard of this group. More speed, runs better in tight windows, can explode into space – I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up accounting for 50% of the productivity out of Tennessee's backfield, and that would be a lot. Now, I think he'll do so with fewer touches, but I think there's a realistic possibility of that. So uh, fourth down, here we go. Uh, Joe Milton says an underrated storyline. An underrated storyline? I'm not sure I got you there. All right, fourth down, here we go. Is the defense now underrated? No, no, they might be worse this year. I don't think they address their issues at all. No, I think you're probably right. Um, craft treats, go to crafttreats.com, use the chill pills, they're CBD infused, so they'll take care of your dog's digestive issues. Use the promo code off the hook. And how about the uh, the other issues that your pet can have, and that is. Uh, with arthritis, also social anxiety, um, we've thought about using it for Caleb Giroux, who will join us. He gets really crazy in uh, around social settings, so we'll talk to him about that. But go to crafttreats.com and use the promo code off the hook. Use the promo code off the hook and get 20% off. So I do want to bring Jaru in here, and the great thing about Jaru is he takes the uh, chill pills, what she speaks very highly of, and no side effects, Caleb. So, yeah, there you go. And no social anxiety. Sometimes he gets a little nervous. I've been to eat uh, with Caleb a couple of times, Jaru, and uh, you get a menu in front of him, he just freaks out. Just starts running in circles, chasing his own tail. Maybe not that Moments too big. <laughs> Moments, <laughs> Moments too big. Yeah, don't say the word apps. I hate the word appetizers. Um, No, but I do want to get to this, and it is uh, today's tough question because Caleb Drew has been covering the Lady Vols. We're going to get to some football recruiting as well, but first, it is today's tough question with both Caleb's, double Caleb's, and you pay no extra. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. 
All right, so Caleb Drew, if you haven't seen, has done a great job of covering the Lady Vols for the Daily Beacon. He's an up-and-comer, and he's done a great job of covering Tennessee football recruiting for off-the-hook sports. So today's tough question brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. City Heating and Air Conditioning, integrity matters. They'll get your unit fixed, and you may not need a whole new one. That's because they're fair, and integrity matters. 50 years in Knoxville. Jaru, who goes deeper in their respective tournament, the ladies or the men? What say you, sir? Uh, I'd have to say the ladies. I mean, the men honestly might lose in round one just because it's a completely different team without Zakai Ziegler. I mean, they don't have a true point guard, and that kind of hurts them down the stretch, and their guard play was kind of weak even when Zakai was there because he had to play 40 minutes a game. So I think without him, I mean, a lot of people are saying Tennessee might get upset in the first round. So I'd have to say the Lady Vols will at least beat the St. Louis Billikens in round one to move on in the round of 32. And it's kind of unfair to compare the two because the Lady Vols get Thompson Bowling Arena for the first two games, which is an advantage that a lot of teams in America don't have. So I'd have to say I think they'll probably make the Sweet 16 and then whatever their matchup from there, we can talk from there. To me, making the Sweet 16 in the women's game is almost tantamount just to making the tournament in the men's side. Calhoun, does that make sense? I mean, if you're if you're a program that should be uh, that other teams should be concerned about, you should make the Sweet 16 almost every year on the women's side. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I, I agree. Um, I used to would have maybe said making the, you know, in the 90s, I would have said making the Final Four is the, making yeah. the NCAA tournament. But nowadays, I agree. I would, I would go Sweet 16. Um, and I'm with Jaru. It's the Lady Vols. They get two games of Thompson Bowling. And, and honestly, the Lady Vols and Vols enter the tournament on totally separate tracks. I mean, Lady Vols enter much hotter. Um and I mean that in a red hot way, not in an attractive way, guys. But <laughs> um, they say that Jeru's red hot as well. <laughs> they 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 enter the tournament on much more of a rhythm than the uh, than the men's team does. So I mean, they, they if they were to get to the Sweet Sixteen, they'd probably play Virginia Tech. They lost to Virginia Tech at home earlier in the year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them exact revenge and beat Virginia Tech this time. I mean, they just beat LSU, so you could see Elite Eight with this team. I think the uh, men go de- – I'm sorry, Jaru. I think the men go do, uh, deeper. I actually do. Jaru, what say you? I was going to say with the Lady Vols, in their side of the bracket, they have like UConn, who they played already, Virginia Tech, who they played already. And more importantly, to get to the Final Four, they avoid South Carolina and Indiana. So I feel like if the Lady Vols – the Lady Vols are playing their best basketball right now. And I feel like they match up very well with Virginia Tech. They've played them already. They can make some corrections there. And I also feel like they match up very well with some other teams on that side of the bracket. And I could see them making a run because, like Calhoun said, you know, the men are playing probably their worst basketball all season right now, while the Lady Vols are playing arguably their best basketball the whole year. They ended on a high note, and they ended up sneaking into a four seed. And they weren't the last four seed. They were the number 15 overall. So, obviously, they were doing something right at the end of the year to – make the selection committee, swing them up. Jaru, I feel like the Lady Vols, their their battle was to get into the tournament. Obviously, they were going to get in, but with some momentum. And it was just a month ago that some people in this program, uh, maybe as the initial CC, was wondering if a coaching change was in order. 
and it seems like they fought that off. I wonder if they've they've gone out and expended an extreme amount of energy to improve and step up, and and, and if they still have that in the NCAA tournament. That's why I've got the men going a little bit further. Could you could you see energy expended with the Lady Balls at this point? Uh, I really don't think so because of how deep they are. And the women's tournament is a little different. They got two weeks off. So the SEC championship was not this past Sunday. It was the Sunday before. So they've gotten two weeks off. Uh, they're super deep. So, like, all their posts have rotated through. They're not like some teams like um, UConn where they have a couple of girls who have to play 40 minutes a game. Like, you never see that with Tennessee because they can keep rotating in and out. And really their schedule was front-loaded. So they played all those ranked opponents, you know, Tennessee women have 10 losses or they have 11 losses, excuse me. And 10 of them were to AP top 25 teams. So they front loaded their schedule and then obviously South Carolina and LSU during the regular season or during the SEC slate. So I feel like, I think they will be all right from an energy standpoint. And you also avoid traveling for the first weekend. So they don't have to go anywhere. They say you stay in your home facility, you practice in your home facility, and then you get a week off and you go to Seattle for the Sweet 16. So I'm not worried about that as much. The only thing that kind of worries me would be if they have like a tough matchup, which Iowa State is a team who's hot that they'd play in the round of 32. They have a lot of momentum right now and they're playing good basketball. But still, I don't see it's very tough for a team to come into Thompson Bowling Arena and beat Tennessee, especially in a March Madness stage when that arena is going to be rocking. I don't see Tennessee losing this weekend, this first weekend. If you have any college football recruiting questions about specific players, go ahead and get on board now because that's exactly what we're going to do next. We're going to be talking recruiting. Give me two minutes, and we'll give you the latest on where Tennessee stands on some very highly rated 2023 and 2024 prospects. Or no, it would be 2024-2025. Excuse me, got my years mixed up. Stay tuned. Two minutes. Back off the sports sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm. 
and finalist for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986, each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. You're listening to The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. Here we go. If you have a question on Cruton, go ahead and let us know, and we will be able to address that with Caleb Jaru, who has been all on top of it on offthehooksports.com. So we want to go ahead and uh, get to that right now. Again, if you have any specific players you want to ask about, go ahead and throw them out there, and Jaru can handle that. It is time for talking cruton and again it's brought to you by friends at craft treats use the promo code off the hook the promo code off the hook get 20 percent off cbd infused uh, craft treats for your pet dog or cat or they've got non-cbd as well so use the promo code off the hook that's the promo code off the hook talking cruton now talking cruton am i right or am i right or am i right who's on tennessee's board the names you need to know exclusively on off the hook sports with dave hooker Let's start with Michigan tight end Brady Priscorn. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, Priscorn, a 2024 tight end out of Adams High School in Rochester Hills, Michigan. It just sounds cold. Uh, He has expressed interest in Tennessee. Caleb Giroux, what can you tell us about this four-star prospect from Michigan? Yeah, so he uh, he dropped his top eight yesterday, and it was Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Ole Miss, Penn State, Georgia, Miami, and then Tennessee. So six foot six, two hundred twenty five pounds. He's obviously a guy, number three tight end in the class. He's a guy that Tennessee wants, and he's also going to be somebody that Tennessee needs after this season because Jacob Warren's going to be out out of eligibility. Uh, McClellan Castle is the transfer; he's going to be out of eligibility. So they'll be left with some walk-ons and then freshman Ethan Davis, who came in this season. But, I mean, he uh, pre-scoring went for 648 yards and 10 touchdowns on 24 catches last season. Uh, he's, the, he's a top 100 prospect in the nation. So he's a guy that Tennessee's probably competing with Michigan for, obviously an in-state kid. And then his older brother goes to Ole Miss. So Lane Kiffin has been using that connection to his advantage and trying to go to pre-scoring and get him to come down to go to the SIP, I guess. But I think he's somebody that Tennessee wants and that they're going to need because they're probably going to be back in the transfer portal next season looking for a tight end because you're going to lose your two guys who are probably giving you your most production this next season. Uh, pre-scoring, the fact that his brother does play at Ole Miss makes me think he's more likely to leave Big Ten country than the average prospect we talk about nowadays. So – Usually, here's what goes off in my head, and Calhoun, your thoughts here too. When I hear a guy that's considering Ohio State, Michigan, and he's from Ohio State or Michigan, 
you can just kind of throw – oh, and Penn State I would include in there too. You can throw what other schools you want to in there, but he's probably going to stay in Big Ten territory. The fact that he's got a brother that plays Ole Miss makes me think that he's seen enough of the SEC where there's real interest in an Alabama, a Georgia, a Tennessee, which you mentioned in his final eight. To be real honest with you, is he going to go to Miami? I'd kind of be surprised to see that. I kind of agree, but the, my question too, and this goes to an X's and O's standpoint, um, Jim Harbaugh loves to use tight ends a lot. And, I mean, you have to wonder if that would make him want to stay home. I mean, because, you, yes, you want to go to the SEC, but you also want to think about your NFL future. Now, I, I, but, but so does but, but, but so does Josh Heupel. Yes, you're right. You're right. But I don't think Heupel uses it near to the level of Harbaugh. Kiffin might. I mean, didn't Kiffin use Luke Stocker a lot when he was at Tennessee that one year? Um, he but, did. I mean, but I'd rather be a run-around tight end catching balls than – a guy who's blocking 75% of the time. Oh, I think Jim Harbaugh uses his tight ends in the receiving game too, though. A good bit. I mean. Yeah. Well, Jim Harbaugh also flirts with the NFL every year. That's true. The NFL doesn't flirt back. Do you want to go play You know what that's all about. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to go play for a coach who's just going to up and leave in a year? I mean, Ohio State has been consistent. Michigan's beaten Ohio State the past two seasons and – two seasons, excuse me, and Ohio State still recruits better. So I, I'm like, I'm with Dave. I don't think Miami is really a one in the question. It's kind of, you're starting to see Miami pop up in a lot of prospects, top schools, but I don't think they're there yet to go and pluck somebody like Priest Corn out of Michigan's backyard. But I could definitely see an SEC school doing that. Okay, so let's go to Tennessee stands pretty high and D'Angelo Barber. What can you tell us? about the linebacker D'Angelo Barber. Yeah, so he was in uh, Knoxville not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and linebackers coach Brian Jean-Marie made him feel very wanted on campus, and he said that was something that stood out to him. So he ranks as the number 24 guy out of Alabama, number 32 linebacker in the country, and he said that Tennessee checked all the boxes, and something that stood out to him was he's interested in being an engineer, and when he told uh, the linebackers coach that, he said he like instantly started calling people and got him like a tour of the engineering school that same day. How about Darwin so said, Walker? Some- have Darwin Walker give him a call. He was an engineering major. So has a fr- he has a firm. You don't remember who Darwin Walker is, but I'm sure you do, Calhoun. Yeah, I know Darwin Walker. Yeah, I know. I, the only engineer I can think of is the one that everybody else would think of, and that is Joshua Dobbs. But that's an aerospace engineer. We're yeah, but that's the it's hardest the same one. building. Well, I know, but this guy's probably <laughs> more of a wrenches and bolts engineer. We don't know. Well, we don't. <laughs> but we, I mean, if you're an aerospace Why engineer. Why are you assuming, Dave? <laughs> well, because if you're an aerospace engineer, you're going to throw that in there. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. You, throw <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like hopefully realtors. Realtors, if they're commercial one. realtors, will say, I'm a commercial realtor. You know, I mean, they don't just say realtor, so. Hopefully he doesn't want to be a nuclear engineer because I'm pretty sure they scrapped the plans for the nuclear engineering building and that's going to be a hotel now. But oh, oh. So, oh. so he said he said Tennessee checked all the boxes for him. He's six foot, 221 pounds, and he's taken a bunch of visits this spring, so we probably won't know very much. He said Tennessee stood high in his recruitment, but he's visiting a lot of places, so we'll probably have to check back in after the spring. He's going to Clemson, Ole Miss, Louisville. A&M, Arkansas, Oklahoma, 
UCF. So he's going on a little spring tour, and we'll have to check back in with him after the spring to see exactly where Tennessee stands. And he said he's going to plan his officials once he's done with all his spring visits. And then Judd Anderson, um, his seven-on-seven team came to Knoxville, class of 2024 quarterback. And it's clear, I mean, he's just a three-star prospect, so let's not hold up any sort of parade anytime soon for him. But it's clear that Tennessee is already thinking about life after Nico, which may seem strange, but I mean, Dennis Dodd's already got him written onto the bench. So who knows? Yeah. With Judd Anderson, Tennessee hasn't extended him an official offer yet, but he said that after his visit that Heifel and Halsley both told him that over the spring while he's at camp, so while he's at practice, they're going to come visit him. And I think they had went to their high, his high school once before, but they want to see him actually throw the ball. And today, um, we actually – or yesterday, excuse me, after his visit to Georgia Tech, he came away with an offer to Georgia Tech. So he's a Jones County High School prospect out of Georgia, um, three-star. And he's got size. He's 6'6", 210 pounds. So the size is there. And he said over the next couple of weeks he was visiting Georgia Tech, which was this past weekend, he received an offer. And he's also going to go to Miami and North Carolina. And I'll kind of swing this back to you, but it has to be virtually impossible to recruit a 2024 quarterback when you have Nico shadow looming large over your program. I mean, we hear a lot about Jake Merklinger. He's a four star that Heupel and Halsley really, really like and talk to and go to his high school about once a week. But I mean, recruiting a 24 quarterback when you have the second best prospect in America sitting on the bench has to be a, a tough task. Yeah. I mean, and Caleb, you know, Calhoun, you know what coaches will say, well, you want to take one in every class. I'm sorry. With the transfer portal, that wasn't even realistic 20 years ago. It's not realistic to take a top quarterback in every single class, especially they're, they're not going to come. That was the one thing that Peyton Manning always said. He said, I don't mind showing up with five other guys as freshmen and competing with them, but I don't want to show up a year behind. And Jaru brings up a good point. I wouldn't want to show up a year behind Nico. There you go. No, you're right. With, with, with the portal, um, it's not as necessary. I think the lesson was Fulmer never had a backup plan for his planned new starter. He got lucky with T. Martin. Who would have backed up T. Martin if T. Martin didn't work out in 98? I mean, Bernie Vesey, was that the guy? <laughs> Wait, you don't get a lot of Bernie Vesey references. Yes. And then in 2008. Wait, would that have been – that that wouldn't have been the snuggler, would it? No, no, no. That was Bob Cooter was after that. Uh, that was the Rick Claus and Eric Ainge years. Um, okay. No, uh, but have you ever had Jaru somebody sneak into your bedroom at night and snuggle you? No. Good, because Jim Bob Cooter did. Yes. Go ahead, Caleb. Sorry. Living up to the name, to the family name. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, and then I would say, and then I would say. I don't want to blame Crompton because I think there were so many dynamics with like Dave Clawson not fitting with Fulmer and what they wanted to do. That's what happened there. But either way, they didn't really have a backup plan behind Crompton, even though I thought BJ Coleman would have been the starter if David Cutcliffe had stayed around. But you, you at the time, I can guarantee you that was the case. Yeah, that's that's what I would have figured too. David is really really high on BJ. I remember that. I actually remember that. I was too. I saw some clips of him. Dude had a Dude was ridiculously strong. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, he wasn't as physically gifted as a whole as Crompton, but um, he was, he was better than most people would have thought just coming out of Chattanooga. 
And I hated the way his career at Tennessee ended because he got really mad when he was named not the starter. But it doesn't matter because it'll either be Joe Milton or Nico. Do you want to try that, Jaru? Do you want to give it a shot? Calhoun tried and just fell all over it. I did this with Jacob Warren. You can check out on our YouTube channel. He did, I don't think he appreciated it very much. He he got it like the, after the third time. Let's try it one more time. Ia male ava. Ia male ava. Ia male ava. Guys, it doesn't matter. Ia male ava. Yes. We all know Navy Shuler starting this year. He's the quarterback of the future, guys. Navy is actually buy attack. stock in Gaston Moore. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Miss uh, Mr. Jones says I am a believer. And that's all so that face. Yes. And I'm a believer. Um, I don't know. I just uh, wonder what Jim Bob Cooter's doing right now. It's the middle <laughs> of the day, so he's probably planning out a cuddle for this evening. <laughs> that's no. not the that's not the case with Nico. Maleava. I don't think we can play that enough times just so that we all get it down pat. What we ought to do is call Bob Kessling and play it a couple of times for him. If ever there was a year to retire for Bob Kessling, the voice of the balls, it's with a guy like Sounds horrible. Took me forever well, actually, to get he's got one year. He's got one year because he'll he'll just be saying Milton this year. Oh yeah, that's true. No, that's don't, true. Jaru, don't say that to Dave. Dave is convinced <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> now I think uh Maleava will end up being the starter at some point. I'm sticking with that, but I do I, I did talk to somebody recently about this very situation, and he said that one thing that Nico will absolutely do and has done already, and you're already starting to see the impact, is Nico has shown up good enough and ready enough to, at the very least, push Joe Milton not to be lackadaisical at any point in the offseason. That's. But, I'm sorry, I, I got it. That 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 seems as baseless as Dennis died he's not working out how do we know that well somebody with the program told me that okay but what have they seen in the I program didn't Dennis dot it well no I'm I mean they're dudes that come up with that sort of pedigree that are late to meetings and that sort of thing and are that aren't hanging around the facility I mean he's he's doing everything that Dennis Dodd hinted that he wasn't that's the point I'm making Okay, I'm just saying it's like it's hard for me to judge any of this before they throw anything. They even throw a pass in spring ball. Amen, amen. It's 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 absolutely true. So he is Caleb Calhoun, Caleb Giroux. What do we got cooking for you today? Any more prospects as they continue to filter through your uh, wavy haired head? Hopefully, I'll be uh, working the phones. We might have a little uh, Arizona defensive end in the mix today. We'll see. Oh, I like it. There's nothing like raising Arizona prospects to our attention. Do you know that movie, Calhoun? No. Raising Arizona with Nicolas Cage? Okay, first of all, my ex- Jaru probably has the same experience with Nick Cage I do, which is a series of bad movies that he tried to produce he himself. He started in the off and he was pretty good. Leaving Las Vegas and raising Arizona? I read he went bankrupt because he was like producing all these movies that were so bad. And like he was, he was doing these passion projects. Well, and he also bought like a house at every city he went into. 
Yeah, so, now that, uh, you know he 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 married rest in peace Lisa Marie for a little while. He had a big he was a big fan of Elvis. Named himself Memphis and gone in sixty seconds. Um, Isn't he the one that stole the Constitution? Yeah, Declaration of Independence. Yes, oh. <laughs> I think he did that a couple of times. All right, everybody, have a fantastic day. We'll be with you at ten a.m. each and every weekday with the latest on Tennessee football recruiting. We'll talk some baseball tomorrow as well. Ron Slay will join us. He's an SEC network budding superstar. So that'll be a whole lot of fun. Have a fantastic Tuesday or whenever you're watching this. Certainly enjoy your week as it is a complete celebration of me because it was my birthday on Monday. Jaru, do you even know how old I am? Nope. Rough guess. By the way, I got 38 years old. Somebody guessed 38 years old in the gym the other day. I'd say like mid-40s. I'll take it. That is the end of the program. Have a fantastic day, everyone. (laughs)